Hello, I'm Steve, also known as Tea Break Knitter on social media. This is the fifth podcast in the series that shows you how I'm knitting the Nahani River Vest. This is a pattern by Bet Lampers and published by Simply Shetland. The yarn I'm using is Spindrift from Jemsons of Shetland. In the first podcast, I show you how I read the pattern to find out what I needed to do and any techniques I needed to learn. How I chose the size I wanted to knit and how I was planning to do the gauge swatch. In the second podcast I showed you what I'd learned from the gauge swatch. I showed you how I cast on for the project and how I joined in the round. The third podcast was on how to use charts for colour work, how I knit in two colours, how I did the cartridge rib and how I do the fair isle knitting. In the fourth podcast, I showed you how I was knitting the body and the progress I'd made with that. I showed you how I started the steaks and how I was going to do the decreases for the armholes. Now this is the fifth podcast and it's the last in the series. So it's how I finished the project. The techniques that I'm going to have to use are knitting backwards, Reinforcing the steaks, picking up stitches, cutting the steaks, and then dressing the final project. And I'll show you what it looks like at the end. One of the things I did as I was knitting was to help me find where I was in the pattern when I started each round. On the round that I finished decreasing the armholes, I marked on the chart where the start of the round was going to be for the patterns. This became particularly important when I passed through a section of the motif that had a four stitch repeat. I then progressed on to a 24 stitch repeat, but that was several rows later. So try to work out where you were within the 24 round four stitch repeat was quite difficult, but marking where it was on the edge of the chart made it very easy. And similarly, when it came to the neckband, you could use the symmetry to find out where you were in the chart to pick up from that. So that's one thing that I did as I was moving up. Having found that useful, when I came towards the end of the project, where you'd finished up the, finished knitting up the armholes, finished up the neck, and you came to the shoulders, where there's a short stretch of short rows. So I found it very useful to mark up on the chart where each section of the short row started and where it finished. That again, that saved me searching for where I was in the pattern when you got a change from a four to a 24 stitch repeat. The other thing this did was show that I'd slightly misinterpreted the pattern so that I was going to put the neck slightly offset by only a couple of stitches. So you probably wouldn't have noticed, but by marking on the pattern where, where the rows were finishing and ending, I could see that I was going to put the stitches on hold for the neck off centre. So that was good because it saved me making a mistake. It would have been really annoying if I'd found that later on. I've now reached the end of the main knitting for this project. So I've finished the short rows at the shoulders. And so I'd like to show you where I've got to so far and make some comments about what I did to get here. So this is the front. The start of the V-neck is down there. 
we've got the two steaks, the arms on the side, and the v-neck comes up the middle here. As you go up, you're doing decreases at the armhole side. But after a while, you do, you do no more decreases. And to help me find my place when I was starting each round, at the after the end of the armhole decreases, I marked on the chart where the start of each round would be. So that would be on this side, the start of each round. The reason for doing that is that at several points in the motif, you go from a repeat of 24 stitches to a repeat of four stitches which is fine when you're going from the big repeat to the small repeat. You can tell where you are very easily when you start the round. But when you go from the four stitch repeat to the 24 stitch repeat, then there's no very quick indicator of where you should be starting the round. And you have to look back down to the next 24 stitch repeat. And that takes time, it's a bit fiddly. So I marked the chart to show me where that was happening. Of course, when you come to the other side of the steek for the v-neck, you've got exactly the same issue. Where do you restart the 24-stitch repeat? That's where the symmetry comes in useful, because all you have to do is look where you finished on the run-up to the streak, and on the other side, you start off with a pattern in the mirror image, which makes it very easy to find where you are in the chart and to continue. So that was a very useful thing and it speeded up my knitting considerably. The other thing of course that speeded up the knitting is that as you go up you're continuing with the neck decreases so you end up with far fewer stitches at the bottom and near the top. Well at least that's what happens at the front. At the back you continue right the way up to the start of the short rows with the full width. <coughs> First thing I want to show you in this video is a technique I use for knitting backwards. Knitting backwards isn't essential, but what it does mean is you're knitting with the public side of your work always facing you, which when you're using a colour pattern is very useful because you can then more easily compare what you're knitting with what's in the chart. So this is how I go about knitting backwards. So here's a swatch and I'm going to show you how I knit backwards. The first way I'm going to show you is I'm going to knit backwards in the equivalent of the English style. This means I'm going to hold the yarn in the same hand as the needle that receives the stitches. So I'm going to wrap my yarn around the little finger and put it over my index finger I insert the needle through the back of the loop knitwise wrap the yarn and I've knit a stitch again left hand needle through the back loop of the 
yarn, wrap it round the needle from the front back back left, round the front to the top right, and you form the stitch. You're wrapping it in the same direction as you would if you knit normally. So again, into the back, wrap round, and form the stitch. Into the back, wrap round, form the stitch. One, two, three, four, five. I'll keep going till I've done ten stitches. Six. Into the back of the loop. Round. Make the stitch. Two more. In, round, off. Into the pack. Round and off. So that's 10 stitches on the needle. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. I'll now show you how you do that continental style. Continental style is when you hold the yarn in the opposite hand to the receiving needle. So if I was knitting normally, I'd be knitting from right to left to right. Now I'm right from right to left. So once again, insert the yarn so insert the needle into the back of the needle. Yarn round the needles from back left, across the front, to the right. Again, insert the needle into the back of the loop. Wrap the yarn round the needle and knit. So I'll now do that using the continental picking technique. And you can see most of the movement's being done with my left hand in through the back, round, but taking it off the needle I'm doing with the right needle. That's probably because I'm right-handed. So into the back loop, wrap, by picking, take it off the front, into the back loop, off, and that's the end of that row. So I've now got a knit row that was knit English and Continental. The pattern has got short rows, so that, if I pull it down slightly, you can see here, here is the in top row in the armhole side with the shoulder and here is the top row at the neck side of the shoulder and so you're getting two two and a half three centimeters there an inch 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 and a quarter uh, you can see that by following this row here and you see there's considerably more fabric there than there is on that side. Uh, if you're eagle-eyed, you can see, just see a loop of it here. When I reached the end of the bulk of the knitting and started the short rows, I did put in a lifeline uh, for two reasons. First of all, in case I made a mistake in actually doing the short rows themselves. And secondly, because the top section here, the short row sections, I use knitting backwards. So 
on the first round, I went left to right as usual, knitting flat to this section. So on the way back, instead of turning the work and purling, I kept knitting, but knit from left to right, then knit from right to left. That, that was a way of practicing doing that. It's turned out reasonably, reasonably okay. Remember, I've not yet block, blocked this. So the other thing I did in preparing for these short rows was learning from what I did down here and how difficult it was sometimes to work out where you were in the pattern. It becomes even more difficult on the short row to find where you should be in the pattern. So on the chart, I marked for each of these short rows where I should start after the steek and where I should do the turn so that I knew exactly where I was on the chart. So I didn't need to look back and up and work out where I was. That, of course, gets particularly difficult if you're near this edge here where you've got several different parts of the motif that are not complete. And so on the left here, you've got more vertical components of the motif than you have on the right here. If I turn it over on the back, although the pattern goes through with just the armhole decreases, no V in the back, when you get to the short rows on the back, you do take some stitches off and hold them ready for the neck band. And so here are the shoulder short rows and there's an extra steek in the middle there. So you look as, as long, long short rows rather than short short rows. So that's how I knit backwards. The final step before moving on to hand, handling the armholes and the neck was to do a three needle bind off on the shoulders. This gives a very neat shoulder join. So I did the three needle bind off and then I was ready to reinforce the steaks. Reinforcing the steaks is important because this is what stops you pulling the yarn through the steak after you've cut it when you're working with the project. When you're finished, it's fine. It'll very rapidly stabilize. But it's when you're actually pulling on, tugging on the yarn, that you stand a risk. So this is how I reinforce the steaks. The first thing I want to do is to create a slip knot so that the crochet chain can be started. So I wrap the yarn around my thumb, put it onto my finger, and put that working yarn through the loop and pull it tight. So I've now got a loop there. It's easier to work so you're working across your item. And I'll be working from right to left because I'm right-handed. If you're left-handed, you might prefer to work in the other direction. The first thing I want to do is to make sure I catch the bind on edges. So I can put the hook through both those stitches, wrap the yarn around it, and 
bring it through. You'll notice that I'm using a thinner yarn than the yarn I used to knit the swatch. This avoids adding bulk to the steek. Having pulled it through, then pull it through, and you can make a loop. So that's the cast on edge caught. I now want to catch that stitch to that stitch as I go across. So we start off and the first two are in the same colour. So I push it under that leg, the leg that's closest to me, and up under the leg that's furthest from me. Wrap the yarn around the hook, pull it through, we pull that through, and another loop and pull that through. So we've now trapped that yarn there. See if I can take, give you a closer look at that. So you can see there the yarn is trapped. So we now go on to the next stitch. Now change, change the yarn to the other hand. Of course I've now got an established loop. So I go under the far leg of the stitch that's closest to me and through and up under the stitch that's further away from me, that first leg of the stitch. Pull it through, and then catch again, and pull it through again to make sure that everything is bound tightly. I'll show you that step by step on the next stitch. So here's the second stitch away from the steek. You go under the far leg of that, keep going under, and then up through the closest stitch of the next loop. Hook the yarn through the crochet hook, pull it through both stitches, and then pull it through the loop that's already on the needle. As you can see, you've still got Those stitches free, so you now pull that loop through there, make another loop, pull it through, and you've now trapped those stitches. So you then keep going like that all the way up the steek. And at the top here, just tucked under the cast off stitch, here's the final pair of stitches. Down, up, catch the yarn and pull it through, pull it through that loop, catch it again and pull it through that final loop. We've now reached the cast off edge, so now I want to catch those, those loops as well. So put it through both of those loops, 
catch the yarn, pull it through, pull it through the loop on the hook, catch the yarn, and pull it through that loop. And you can see it's now caught those stitches. So we can now snip the yarn off continue, and then continue pulling it through that loop as you would for knitting. And you've now trapped that edge with a crochet chain. So that's how I reinforced the steaks, although the pattern doesn't actually call for you to reinforce them at this stage. But I like to do it now because I'm going to be picking up stitches around the armholes, around the neck. And that's going to put quite a bit of stress on the fabric there. So the next thing I want to show you is how I pick up the stitches. So I'm going to show you three ways of picking up the stitch in exactly the same way. When I say pick up stitch, I'm going to pick up and knit the stitch. So this is the edge stitch row that I want to pick up. So I've knit from bottom to top. I have here the steek, so the edge stitch, and here are the steek stitches. And I want to pick up and so that my knitting comes out from this position so that the edge of the garment or fabric is there and the new edge grows out from that point onwards. So the first approach I want to use and that will let you see more clearly what's happening is I'm going to use two needles. Here I'm using a needle that's smaller than was used to knit the fabric. This is going to help me lift the stitches and here is the needle I'm going to knit onto. And again, in this particular case, it's slightly smaller than the one I used to knit, knit the fabric. Uh, sometimes you might want to do this because it makes it easier to adjust your stitches on, that, on the first round you knit after the ones you pick up. So I'm going to Knit. So I'm going to wrap my yarn as usual. I'm holding the yarn in the right hand. Of course, I'll be doing most manipulation of my right hand. So here is that first stitch, that first edge stitch, in first stitch in, within the steek. And I'm going to push this needle right the way through that stitch. And we're also going to catch the float underneath. That's to hold the stitch up so I can now put my needle in and knit the stitch. Do that again on the next one. Put the needle in and knit 
a stitch. Now, of course, this is stockinette. If you use a pickup ratio of two to three, I'm going to skip the stitch, and this time I'm going to pick it up differently. I'm going to use a crochet hook. Put the crochet hook through underneath that edge stitch. You then can then pull the yarn through. And put it on the stitch. Again, pull the yarn through with your crochet, crochet hook and put it on your stitch. So you, you want to mount it on the stick, on the needle, so that the working yarn disappears off across the back. And the third way I want to show you is, you ju is just to use the right hand needle, push it under the stitch and pull the yarn through. We'll do that again. Lift that stitch with the needle, push it through and knit it. Come up a bit closer to the camera this time. Missing out that third stitch because of the two to three ratio. Put that stitch, put the needle through, wrap, and pull it through. Now the final stitch, put it through, wrap and put it through. So this is the next step in my knitting. I've bound off the top edge with the three needle bind off. So the shoulder seams are done. And I'm now starting on the armbands. When I've done the two armbands, I'll then do the neck as well. So here we have the steek with the reinforcement. I've left the ends on there. I'll cut those off after I've dressed the final product. And I've gone through and I've picked up stitches all the way around in this dark background colour. I've got several markers on this. This marker is on the sleeve to tell me where that top sleeve stitch is I don't really need that anymore and here is the beginning end of round marker. These two are marking the edge of the stitches that were held on the needle before and again I don't need those markers I'll get rid of those as I knit round. These other markers are to correct the number of stitches that I picked up. I picked up more stitches than I needed as 
because it's easier to reduce your stitch count than it is to increase them evenly. And so every time I meet one of these markers, I'll knit the two stitches together and that will bring you back down to the correct stitch count. Now, as you see, with the stick in place, there's no stretch there. So knitting the bottom and the top around there is going to be very, very difficult. Uh, I need to use two needles or a huge loop. So instead, now is the time to cut the steak. So that's how I picked up the stitches. If you want a bit more information, there's a link below. So I've now finished putting that stress on those steak stitches. So it's safe to cut the steak now. Cutting the steak will change the shape of the garment totally. It'll open up the armholes and it'll open up the v-neck. So for the first time, I'll actually be able to see the shape and how it's going to fit. So this is how I cut the steaks for this particular project. I have here a steak with an even number of stitches. Here are the edge stitches and here is the center line along which I'm going to cut. And I've already reinforced this steak. If this were a real piece of knitting, I would probably be joining a button band or sleeves or something like that to this line of edge stitches. And because joining something like that involves picking the stitches up, that puts quite a lot of stress on the stitches nearby. So I would actually pick up those stitches before I cut the steak. But this is the swatch just to show you how it works and it's a lot easier for you to see without anything on the edge there to hide what I'm doing. So this is the swatch with the steak with an even number of stitches. And what I want to do is cut between the two central stitches. So cut up along this line here. I'm going to use a pair of sharp scissors. And here we go. There's the line I want to cut up. So I cut up the middle of those stitches. And there we are. There is a steak cut. And you can see there's a few ends on there because there's a whole stitch on either side. So that line of reinforcement is going to hold those stitches and stop them pulling out. I'm now ready to cut this steak. So here we've got the steak. Here are the picked up stitches on the cable with my needle. The edge stitch has been picked up. Here's the first stitch in, the second stitch of the steak. The third stitch here is that right hand leg. And you see here the left hand leg is under the crochet. And let me pull that out a bit so you can see it a bit more clearly. Here's the left hand leg 
of the rightmost of the two central stitches and its right leg is also caught by that crochet. Coming across is the left hand stitch, free right leg, left leg is crocheted together to the next steak stitch, then the dark, the light steak stitches and once again on the other side there's the cable with st stitches picked up on it. And I'm going to cut up between these two central stitches here. So I'm going to take some sharp scissors and I'm going to cut up the center there. I'll put my hand on the inside of the fabric so I can be sure I don't cut through to the other side. And then I'm going to start off by cutting at the bottom between those two central stitches and keep going. Making sure as I go along that I also cut through the floats that might be going across the centre. aiming to go between those central stitches. This isn't as awkward when you're not trying to film, but I'm trying to watch your view as well as being able to see what I'm cutting. And some light colours background here, which makes it a lot easier to see the stitches. Those yarns across the back are just the ends and they've knit together a bit while I've been doing the rest of the knitting. Almost at the end. And the last little cut or two. So that's the key steak cut now. I waited until I picked up the stitches because that puts up a lot of stress on the steak stitches themselves. But I needed to cut the steak before I start knitting because with an eight stitch steak but a 16 stitch or 17 stitch underarm to pick up 
you just couldn't stretch the yarn enough to do that and knit that in the round without having cut that steek. Now, one of the things that you can see, I'll put it back together again, is that you can't see the steek. Because I picked up the stitches through that steek, the steek is automatically, by itself, without me having to do anything, folded back up against the inside of the fabric. This is, this is what you'd expect to happen, uh, and it didn't need any help to do that. As long as you're patient, cutting steaks isn't that difficult. Uh, you can see more information on steaks in the reference below. So, now, now I'd cut the steaks, I could start knitting the armbands and the neckbands. If you're really clever, you can actually pick up the correct number of stitches as you go around. Usually I find I've picked up a couple extra or missed a few. You can correct it on this first knit round knitting. So if you've missed a few, you can either do an increase in that round or if you've got spare stitch available to pick up from, you can actually pick up using the yarn from the previous round. If you've got too many stitches, you can do a knit two together or a purl two together, depending on your knit pattern, to get rid of the extra stitch. You can then continue round. So once I'd knit the bands, the whole thing was looking like the finished article. I've now putting, finished putting the corrugated rib around the first of the armholes on the vest. And you can see it's now sitting there quite nicely on the edge. If you just turn it over inside, you can see that the steek stitches are now lying very nicely up against the inside, all by themselves. What I needed to do now was to tidy up all the ends. The ends around the steeks that were cut, where the cut steek was cut in the middle and you had the ends right next to that, I just trimmed off to leave a few centimetres in there so it was easy and easier to lock and pin out. The other ends I had to weave in. So below below the armhole all those ends needed weaving in. The ends on the short rows for the shoulders needed weaving in. The ends for the armbands and the neckband needed weaving in. And also the ends I had in the middle of rounds where I'd had to add on a new ball of the same colour because I'd misjudged being able to get right the way around. So all those ends needed weaving in but I left tails on those so that the yarn was able to adjust itself during the blocking without undoing the weaving. So the next step was to block. So to do this I put some wool soap in some warm water in a ba basin and thoroughly soaked the garment in that. Didn't, didn't scrub it, I just pushed it down under the water making sure it was fully soaked and left it for about 20 minutes. Then emptied out the bowl, just pushed down on the wool to get out most of the water refilled the bowl with warm water so I was rinsing out the soap and with the soap 
outwented any dirt from my hands while I've been knitting it. Again, rinse that until no more soap's coming out and then squeeze, just squeeze it, don't turn it, just squeeze it to get most of the water out. And I then wrapped it in a towel. So rolled it up in a towel so that I could then wring the towel, but I was not going to be felting it, the wool because I wasn't actually moving the, the wool. That got a lot of the extra moisture out. This just speeds up the drying process. Now I'm doing this in winter, the weather's quite cold and it's also quite damp. So anything to speed up that drying process is useful. So I then put it out on my blocking mats, spread it out with my hands, get it to the right shape, make sure it's in the right shape, and then put a few pins in to keep it straight. And then let it dry. So when it was dry, it was blocked and almost finished. There were two more things to do. The first thing was to cut off all those ends, take them right down now. The yarn had had time to adjust and pull them down. So just leave half a centimetre at most on the inside for those, for those yarns. And the other thing I wanted to do was to tack down the edges of the steets, those free edges that had been cut. Now this is where in the pattern they get you to tack those down using a cross stitch because that's the way in the pattern those steaks are reinforced. But I'd already reinforced it so it was a very loose running stitch just to stop those edges pulling up when I put, put it on. They were lying flat naturally anyway but what I didn't want was for it to flap around and be visible from the front when I put the garment on. So that done, the very final thing to do was to lightly press it. So I turned it inside out, used a cool iron, very gently pressed the inside using a tea towel on top to avoid touching the yarn directly. That just evened out any little creases that were there. So now, I can show you what the finished item looks like. So this is it, the finished Nahini River vest. I'll turn around slowly so you can see the whole thing. So. This is the Nahini River Vest project finished. So here it is, the finished item. What have I learned from knitting this project? Well, the main thing has been about gauge. As you know, I used a gauge swatch to help me decide what size I wanted to knit and to help me work out how I would achieve that size. And I actually chose to knit the 45 inch, 114 centimeter version of the pattern because that would give me the length I wanted and not and to be reasonable fit widthways if I was knitting at the gauge of the swatch. I then started knitting and found that my gauge was slightly looser than in the gauge swatch even though I had taken care to knit the gauge swatch simulating knitting in the round. And I put this down to having switched from wood to carbon fibre needles. 
as I was knitting, I took a fairly long break from this project. And of course, I was knitting other, other projects, and one of those happened to be another Fair Isle project. And when I came back, I continued knitting and found that on that final section I was knitting, my gauge was a bit looser still. So that whereas with the initial gauge, I'd knit the 45 inch pattern, that's 114 centimetres, expecting to get something around about 46 inches, 117 centimetres, but actually ended up with something 48 inches, 122 centimetres, which is still perfectly wearable. It looks good, but not quite what I was expecting. So I've got to pay more attention to how I measure my gauge and perhaps how I track my gauge as I'm going through. So the first thing I've got to do is to make sure that I'm doing a gauge swatch that mimics as well as I possibly can the finished item. So perhaps instead of just knitting a conventional gauge swatch simulating in the round, I'll knit a hat using the same stitch patterns. Because that will be closer to how I knit the final thing. I also want to make sure that I don't change my style, because I think one of the things I possibly did later on in the project was to pay more attention to stretching out the floats in the project. product project. So that met, made my, that might have made my knitting a little bit looser. As it turns out, I don't have a problem with float length in the initial part, so I was probably all right in the first place. And the other thing is don't switch the materials. I've switched to carbon fibre because I often sit on my needles and break them. I haven't broken the carbon fibre ones, but I did get a slightly different gauge. So the biggest lesson is to do the gauge swatch, mimicking as closely as you can the final garment. And if it's a child's garment, you might as well knit, start knitting a few rows of that because it's not going to be a lot to pull, pull back. If it's a garment some of the size of me, you probably want it to be a bit a bit smaller than the final garment itself. So knit something that mimics what you want to do. Make sure you use the same yarn, the same type of needle, and the same stitch patterns as you're going to be using for the final item. That should help you get better gauge. But for now, I finished this project, I'm wearing the outcome, and that's the end of this podcast. I hope to do other podcasts on different topics in the future, so until the next time, happy knitting! <laughs>